Welcome back to another episode of Leafstock Forever. We got the Gong Master 3000 in the house. Kyle, welcome back. Got, any, got anything to say to the viewers or listeners of why you've been gone for uh, a couple weeks? Um, no, no, no specific oh, okay. reason as to why I've been gone. Uh, just I know the one that we recorded the podcast a little bit later. And I'm up uh, at the crack of dawn every Monday to Friday, so... It's a little tougher for me to uh, be up that late as as late as you guys are. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I've had to miss out, but it's good to be back. Thank you. So the gong master is back. So if you hear any gongs, just know it's Kyle. Scott's also here with us, and then obviously myself. We got an action-packed episode to get to. Uh, just remember that this uh, uh, podcast, Least Talk Forever, is in partnership with the Hockey Podcast Network. So check out their stuff. Uh, they share basically, I'd say, twelve to fifteen times, maybe plus, a day on Twitter. Other web or other podcasts that are involved under this umbrella, check it out. There's some big ones, um, and then there's some minor ones as well. There's some really cool live videos, and also check out their YouTube channel because basically every night they've got live plays. We could definitely try that, but unfortunately. As people probably know who listen are recurring listeners, Scott and I's internet, because we live in the same house, is not as strong as most. So we would run into an issue where our internet would probably cut out live streaming the game with you guys. So unfortunately, a live party, watch party probably won't happen for a while, but could be something. Anyways, uh, so we'll throw over to Scott for some news. And this episode is called In Sammy We Trust, because that guy is a legend. Scott, over to you. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess depending on how you view it, it could be potentially big news with the uh, injury to Jake Muzzin being a little bit more severe than I guess everybody originally thought, so he was placed on LTIR. The big aspect comes from that clearing up over $5 million in cap room that the Leafs now have to spend, whether that's on trades or or, or call-ups or whatever they, they plan on doing with all that money. Along with Clifford, uh, or sorry, along with Muzzin, Clifford was also placed on the IR. I don't exactly know what or when his injury occurred because he played the last game. But uh, maybe it was an off-ice thing in training, practice, whatever. So he was placed on the IR. Uh, because of that, Philip Crawl was called up. So we have an extra defenseman. And with those movements for injured reserve, the lineup has been shuffled around. Uh, Kerfoot has been moved up with Matthews and Marner on the new first line, which caused Bunting to fall down to the third line with Yarn Croak and Dennis Morgan, who's back in the lineup. And Zach Austin Reese slots back in on the fourth line with Wayne Simmons uh, being put in the press box. Uh, Kyle, what do you think about this? Do you like Kerfoot on the top line and Bunting kind of moving down a bit? I mean, at this point, they haven't been the usual Leafs that we've been seeing them as. Um, so, yeah, I, I like how Keefe's trying different moves, um, moving guys around. <clears throat> um, at this point, still early in the game, we're only seven seven games in, I believe. Um, it's good to experiment now to um, see if we can turn things around a little bit because we have struggled a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, I'd say, I don't mind changing things around. And I, I saw on Twitter today, uh, I don't remember who it was, some reporter, 
saying that now this gives the Leafs, if it sticks, the Leafs a better chance of you bunting off of a line with Matthews and Marner for his contract year to see if he can actually play the at the level he has been playing, or was he only playing at that level because of Matthews and Marner? And, uh, I mean, Kerfoot, he's uh, pretty much the utility gun on the Leafs. You can put him anywhere, and he kind of just does whatever he needs to do. So I feel like he'll fit in nicely on that line with Matthews and Marner and allow them to keep doing whatever they've been doing. In the case of Matthews, hopefully it's starting to score a bit more than he has been. Yeah, for sure. In the uh, in the same sense, I feel as though Kerfoot's a um, little less physical uh, version of Michael Bunting. He'll get in there and get the pucks and feed it to the other guys, um, just like Bunting. Obviously, Bunting's a little bit more rough, rough and rugged around the net, but uh, I think Kerfoot kind of plays a similar, smaller role um, than than Bunting. Um, so trying him out on that top line. Did he play on the top line with them the other night, or is this just for tonight? I think this is just just for tonight. I don't think he played, and unless it was like a between shifts thing. But yeah, um, I mean, also the the guys coming in and out, like you've seen Obey Kubel in and out, and you've seen Simmons um, in against uh, the other night, and then he's out again tonight. Um, they're probably going to be doing this, I feel, up up until uh, we see consistency out of the guys. But it's still early in the season, and they're still they're still adjusting to um, getting their feet moving. So uh, yeah, we could we could see this for a little bit longer, or the Leafs could start to break out and um, start producing a little bit more. I mean, the other night was tough, but what can you do? Uh, just looking to see with Yarncroke. So on that line with Bunting, Yarncroke is in the center. I don't know much about him at center. I don't know how well he does, but I'm I'm interested to see Morgan back in because of coming out of the preseason, he was overly talked about. He was hyped a lot, and then they kind of gave him those two games, and then or three games, and then sat him. So it'll be interesting to see what he does on an on a line with two guys that he hasn't necessarily played with yet. Yeah, to your point, I think um, I think Yarncroke, the last time he played center, I think was when he was with Nashville. Because I don't think – I think he played wing last year with – it was Calgary who he got traded to? Um, I'm not 100% sure. So. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think he played on the wing last year for Calgary um, when he got traded, if it was them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, him on, sorry, what was that? It, it was Calgary. It was Calgary. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope I hope Mulligan produces because they've said that uh, they've said that they look forward to his game. And obviously, this being the second stint with the Leafs, it's kind of um, everyone's kind of hoping that he produces. And um, and yeah, I mean. Moving down to the third line, he's got two. Well, I guess back in the lineup with those two, two guys. Um, I feel as though Mulligan could produce with Bunting and Yarncroke. Um, and big, big step for uh, for Bunting going down, playing a little less minutes. Yeah, um, I just hope that he doesn't start to not produce, and that kind of makes them hesitant in putting him back on the Matthews Marner 
because I feel like he fits on that line. It's just I don't I don't know yet if it's because he's on that line that he's been playing so well, like point wise. So if you put him on that line with Yarncroke and Mulgan and he doesn't put up the points, are they going to then be hesitant to put him back on the top line, or are they going to just keep him on middle six area? Yeah, I feel as though they definitely question it if he doesn't produce on the third line. Um, like the, even those two guys aren't even bad to play with. Like Yarncroke and Mulgan, they're both pretty pretty solid. To be honest, though, I've been a little disappointed with Yarncroke's game so far. Um, yeah. But I, I still think he should be able to put up solid numbers in the third line there if that's where they decide to keep him. It could just be temporarily, though. So, Well, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this will be uh, kind of in line with Sheldon Keefe where he's, he's promising moves, then makes the moves, and then shuffles it all back the way it was. So I, I feel like Bunting will probably, maybe even at some point this game, be put back on the top line. And he does have five points in six games this, this year, so it's not like he hasn't been producing. I just hope that because he got shuffed or moved off that line, he his decrease in production that may come with that doesn't make them hesitant to put him back on that line and they're kind of rotating whoever plays on that top line because of it, which I don't think will help. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's a little odd because – well, obviously, Bunting last year was his first year with us. And last year, he didn't start the year with Matthews and Marner, did he? Uh, no, it was uh, Nick Ritchie. And then he got oh. moved on there when Ritchie had two points in 50 games. <laughs> and then Nick Ritchie comes and scores against us in, uh, on Arizona. Okay, yeah, that's besides the point. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel as though uh, – I feel as though – Kerfoot could could be a step up for him being with Matthews and Mariner. Well, yeah, like, I mean, I like Kerfoot because he can, he's kind of like the play anywhere guy, like I said earlier. So obviously in whatever role he takes on and whatever line he's on, he's, he's going to try to do it to the best of his ability. I don't know. I just, I feel like Michael Bunting fit on that line. You have the shooter with Matthews, Marner with the passing and then Bunting with the digging, but like you mentioned, Kerfoot also can dig in the corners. Maybe not on the level of Bunting. Maybe he he steps up a bit because he's on that line and and, and improves that part of his game. But yeah, I don't know. I just like Bunting on that top line. It seemed like it was a once he moved there last year, it was a perfect fit, and that line kind of clicked. So I just hope that that can go back to that. They they can go back to that, and it isn't a rotational thing like they have been on the on the second line with however many wingers have played with Tavares and Nylander over the last couple of years. Well, yeah, for sure. This, this might just be a little, uh, a little wake up call. Not even that they've played terrible lately, but like, I don't know. You always get that, every, that game every once in a while that you just can't, can't produce. And that was how, uh, the game against Vegas was. So, um, oh, yeah. on, the, on the other note, um, Aston Reese being back in, how do you feel about that? Was, was that the move that you would do, Scott, or would you go with something I mean, else? I, mean, I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of, at this point, especially with the, the slower start that Lisa have gotten off to, I think I'm kind of in the minority here where I, I don't feel like Wayne Simmons needs to be on the team because if he's not going to fight anybody, then 
Austin Reese and Abe Kubel can do the exact same thing he can. Like both those guys were brought in for their physicality. They're not necessarily great defensive play, but they're more defensive minded play. They weren't brought in to score. They weren't brought in to put up 60, 70 points, whatever. They were brought in to replace the physicality that because Simmons wasn't on the team or wasn't looking like he was going to make the team, which turned out he didn't. So, like I said, I'm, I'm not necessarily mad that Simmons is on the lineup because any of those three can do the same thing, right? Like whether it's Austin Reese, whether it's Abe Kubel, whether it's Simmons, as long as they're out there throwing their body around, kind of being that energy line that keeps the team in their own end and, and kind of uses their body, I don't really see a problem with any of those three being rotated in. And tonight just happened to be Austin Reese's turn. So if he can impress, then I feel like he'll stay in. But if he doesn't, then Abe Kubel come in and look to do the same thing. And then Simmons will come back in. And when Clifford comes back, he'll look to do the same thing. So it's not necessarily that I'm happy that Austin Reese is back in and Simmons is out. It's just, like I said, it doesn't really matter to me which of those four, three at the moment, because they all kind of have the same role on the team. Yeah, you pretty much sum that up. Um, Aston Reese plays similar game to Simmons. He'll hit and stuff. Don't expect him to go out there and and fight. I don't think he has a lot of fighting majors. No, he has two fighting majors in the last two years. Say two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So don't expect him to go out and fight. But him. And However, him, both were for sticking up for their teammates. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good sign. So, but, um, with with the amount that of fighting that happens in today's game, like it's like a, especially with the Leafs, like there's like a one fight every what ten, eleven, if that games. So it's, I don't feel like Simmons is necessarily unless it's like a game against Winnipeg or Ottawa where there may be more because of the rivalry aspect. Like Simmons isn't necessarily looked upon to fight. I think he's more looked upon now just to go out there and kind of throw his body around and and, and impact the game that way. So if, if Abe Kubel or Austin Reese are in the lineup and they don't fight, then I don't really see that as a negative because Toronto doesn't really fight anyway. Maureen Riley does. Well, yeah, but like that's what I mean. Like in, <laughs> Unless it's in those situations, which in, in Toronto's case doesn't really happen that often. Like I can only, what, three, four times last year I can even remember a situation like that happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, uh, I think though, like I, I sorry, I, I mean, I was away for a little bit of it, but I, I listened to the beginning or the ending part there, and I, I talked about this a little bit with you the other day, Scott, when we were watching the game, and I'll state it here. I think that Kyle du- or Sheldon Keefe should be a little bit more stressed in the decision that he's make decisions that he's making, because he's running out the almost the identical lap that he made last or had last year when you had all these other guys added and, and what happens if the same result happens, you know, you think that he'd be a little bit more desperate. Yeah. I feel like that that's these moves he made today. So I didn't get to see anything today. I got to see the lineup at all. Oh, well, okay. Well, they, Clifford moved up. Clifford moves up to play with Matthews and Marner. Robert stays with no Kerfoot. Kerfoot. Did I say Kerfoot? Uh, I meant yeah. I meant Kerfoot. Clifford's not even in the lineup. He's on the IR. Uh, Kerfoot moves up to play with Matthews and Marner. That second line stays the same. Bunting is on 
on the third with Yarncroke and Mulgan, and then Austin Reese is back in with Camp and Engvall and Simmons is in. And which gives uh, like, like Bell is done again. Yeah, he's he's not back in yet. No. But he had 19 hits in three games. Yeah, but like, I think when was it? It was like two or three episodes ago. We mentioned the Sheldon Keith comments, and I think the reporter who reported it kind of like twisted his words a bit because he had, the Keith actually said like they want him to to focus more on other aspects of his game besides. Like he can still go out there and be physical, but they also want him to focus in game on those other aspects. Oh yeah, perfect. but I feel like, I think the reporter twisted that to they want him to shoot more, which isn't what they brought him in for. So I, I don't necessarily know what he needs to do to get back in the lineup because he's just going to be the fourth line. He's never. I don't think he's ever going to play on any of the other lines. So yeah, which is really so funny him. because everyone was so excited for Camp Zach Asheris and Abe Kubel. Now we're not even ten games in, and look at it. Yeah, why? And and yeah, but they're still playing. Who was it? Was it Pierre Engvall? Is Pierre Engvall in the lineup? Yeah, he's on the right side on the last on the last line. Yeah. So as we as we talked about the other day as well, like Sheldon Keefe has his um, Pierre Engvall, like Mike Babcock had his Zach Hyman. So, oh man, Sheldon Keefe. I think he. I I think that Sheldon Keefe should have been fired last year. But I definitely think that he should be fired right like tomorrow, if this doesn't work out. I'm just so tired of the bullshit bullshit decisions that he makes for what reason. Yeah, I, I, like I've been saying since the first game that I don't see why Engvall is even in in the lineup. Like Isn't I said, you. Anymore? Yeah, like I said, the Spencer there again. What was it? The what, uh, Winnipeg game. The only memorable moment he's had so far was when he got laid out, and then Mitch Marner got the breakaway. Other than that, like he's n- never mentioned, barely mentioned. He's not noticeable on the ice. He just, and if he is, it's just because he's floating around doing nothing. And then you said Spencer that was it. Sheldon Keith that said it looks like he's afraid to skate. Yeah, he hurt his ankle, and like uh, he has that issue, like his ankle issue, and he says that he's afraid to skate, but that's why they brought him on the team. To, like, that's why he's here. Like, that's how he made it to the NHL. So, like, okay, so if he's not skating, then what's he doing? Absolutely shit all. That's what he's doing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why he's still in. If, if you're going to bring uh, Austin Reese back in on that fourth line, then you might as well just bring Simmons or, or leave Simmons in or bring Abe Kubel in and take Engville out so that line can be your physical... Because I don't know, I feel like Engvall needs that that quicker, more offensive-minded player on his line, like last year with Mikheyev or whoever Kerfoot and Nylander at at the end of the year there, to to kind of help him step up his game. And if he's on a line with the Yarn Croaks, the Austin Reese's, the Simmons, he kind of doesn't do anything. Trade him away for a fourth-round pick and put one of these guys, uh, Obi Kubel, in who shouldn't be out of the lineup, in my opinion. It's actually kind of embarrassing, in my opinion, that this is happening. All these other teams got better. And yet what? We are basically almost... I would say if you added... If you had the team that we have now without McKayev and you put Yarncroak right now, and I really like Yarncroak as a player, but as of right now, less than 10 games in, I think we're a worse team than we were last year because at least McKayev... Although he's not like a superstar by any means, at least he is. He had 
tendencies in his game that that made a difference. Yarn Croak, yeah, he he can play up and down the lineup, but he really hasn't done much to stand out. He hasn't done anything. Me and Scott were just talking about this before um, earlier. Yeah. We were talking about the third line being uh, being bunting Yarn Croak and Mulligan. I was talking about how Yarn Croak hasn't really lived up to his uh, his standards of what we thought we'd be getting as a Leafs fan. Yeah. Here's here's a question. If from the beginning of the year, Matthews and Marner had been producing at a pace that everybody expected them to. So Matthews had five goals and three assists and Marner had two goals and eight assists, whatever. And then the, the bottom six kind of stayed the same with Yarncroke, uh, Oscar Reese, Abe Kubel, Camp, Kerfoot, Engel. Would you still be mad that that those bottom six isn't as good as last year's because they're more defensive, mind defensively minded this year, or would you? Still I be, think like if, uh, me, barring Engdahl, I guess because I feel like he would still have the same kind of season he's having. But would you still then like Young Croak isn't doing enough, whatever, whatever, or is it because Matthews and Marner and the top six, besides maybe Nylander, isn't producing as much as everybody thought they would? That then the bottom six is also being scrutinized a bit more because they're not stepping up as much. That's actually funny that you say that because as you started that thing, I was thinking, um, so what if, like, would Sheldon Keith be making these moves if the situation was different, if Matthews and Marner were scoring? But, however, to answer your question, I think if you had the lineup that we had on game one, it wouldn't matter if the bottom six wasn't scoring because, you're, you're as you mentioned, they're defensive-minded. But I think when you add Simmons and Clifford into the mix, and they're not, I think you already had said this before, like on this podcast weeks and weeks ago, even tonight, but if they're not doing what they're meant to do, fight, energize the crowd, and get into the game, or get the team into the game, then they're absolutely useless in the lineup. So I think when I said that this team's worse than last year, like potentially with that lineup, I was meaning like Simmons, Clifford, and how Yarncroke is playing and how uh, – uh, Ingball playing, but I think that if you had exactly how we had game one, that lineup, I think that we actually have a better team than last year. But as as to your point, I think it's I think it's amplified because Matthews and Marner are not doing as well. However, you said Nylander, but we gotta give John Tavares some love too. Well, yeah, like Tavares is playing well, but I just well, point out the team Nylander because he has, yeah, but I point out Nylander because he has four goals. Like he's kind of oh, doing what everybody thought Matthews was going to do, where he's scoring every game. It looks like. Um, but just to go back to your Clifford Simmons point here, so I don't know. Like if if you know, Simmons and Clifford came in the lineup and they they won against Winnipeg, whatever. But there's been like what I can say uh, off the top of my head that I can remember at least twelve chances that Matthews has had where he he's almost scores. So if he would have put in like six of those. Would you still be mad that Clifford and Simmons are in the lineup and they're not playing well? Because those six goals would have possibly won us all three of those games that we lost, right? So we would have been, we'll say two of the three. So we would have been, what, six and one as opposed to four and three? Would you then still be mad that Simmons and Clifford aren't playing at the way that they're supposed to be playing? I'm, it's not even like Simmons and Clifford, really. I, I mean, yes, they obviously make the difference because they're the focal point of my point. However, you could insert Josh or Joey Anderson and you could insert Alex Steves. Point of the matter is you brought in Zach Ashton-Reese and you brought in Al Bell for a purpose. 
to have a very structured defensive minded bottom or bottom six, as well as that bottom line to go out there, hit, cycle the puck, break up the team cycle. And when they were on, they were on. But then you you switch it up because of uh, your jobs on the line. You switch it up because there's a potential rivalry game in, in Winnipeg when those two players didn't do anything involved. Like the only time that Wayne Simmons was actually notable, and I didn't watch the game live. I went back and watched it the next day. The only time he was active in that situation is when he talked to Pierre Dubois after the second period. So I, I think I understand. I might have answered your question way wrong. I, I might be butchering the answer. But in my opinion, I think if you take whomever and you put them on the bottom six or bottom or sorry, last line, and it's not Zach Ashton Reese and Al Baker Bell, I think that I would have an issue with it, regardless of what Matthews and Tavares is doing and Marner. Because you brought those players in to redefine from a finesse to a toughness to a defensive style minded hockey team. And now you're going back to that finesse whatever you want to call this lineup or sorry, toughness lineup, sorry, with the Simmons and Clifford. Meanwhile, Simmons is the only one out of those two that could actually play in the NHL. Kyle Clifford is like useless in today's NHL. So I don't know if I answered your question right. No, yeah, I just, you. no, no, I just want, just was curious because then you brought uh, Clifford and Simmons. So I just thought I'd throw the question back with those two and just to see. But yeah, like just because it seems like the bomb six is being a lot, a lot more scrutinized than they technically should be because the, the, the some players in the top six aren't playing on a pace that everybody thought they would. So I just wondered if if the roles were reversed and depending on the player, would would your opinion change? But it doesn't seem to be that it would. So I think it's weird because like the the third line that was supposed to be Ingvall, Kerfoot, and uh, Yarncroke, I think they were like basically terrible together. I don't know why. Like I, I can't figure out the reason. It's just like those three just just didn't seem. I think Kerfoot and Yarncroak gel well together. So I'm assuming, in my opinion, like I'm, I'm going to take out take the assumption that it's probably Ingball. However, putting Bunting on the third line, I think is just absolutely ridiculous for one main reason. Who was a UFA? Or, or, sorry, who has contract uh, negotiation rights starting July 1st this year in 2023? Austin Matthews. And who's Austin Matthews' two best friends on the team? Bunting and Marner. Yeah. So you think you would go out there and venture that the team should try and make Austin Matthews as happy as possible and putting Michael Bunting on the third line, demoting him for whatever reason because he's in the doghouse from what I told you that I heard because – Keith doesn't like that he mixes it up. It just is annoying well, to me. You you missed the earlier part. Me and Kyle were talking, and I saw on Twitter. I said I don't remember what reporter said it, but they said that this now gives Toronto, specifically the front office, a better chance of seeing Michael Bunting away from Matthews and Marner going into his uh, contract negotiations, whenever that is. So then they can no. see that is he actually is he actually going to play. Or is he actually capable of playing at that level? Or is he only playing at that level because of Matthews and Martin? Okay, but that's evident again. Like, I mean, this point makes sense. But, like, at the same time, it's like, if they do do what people think that he's going to want, he's only going to apparently ask for, like, $2 million for seven years. Like, it's not like they need to see so they have to pay him $5 million. You know what I mean? No, like but he's, it, could, it could bump down the years, I guess. 
Yeah, but the only reason the years are so high is because then that bumps down the asking price. It's probably going to be guaranteed money if he gets bought out or traded. He's still going to get paid. So it's like, I personally think that Toronto's worried that Michael Bunting could turn into another Zach Hyman and then leave. And then he goes and gets fetches four or five million dollars. And now they have no one to replace him on the, the Matthews Marner line. And everyone who they had that they seem to like playing with leaves. And you just find in Michael Bunting. I know, but that's it's like. Pardon? That's the, that's the same thing they said when Zach Hyman left. And then the next season, Michael Bunting fit on there and he put up 60 points. So, Yeah, but Bunting if, okay, leaves, so I'm sure it's someone else will come into that spot and step up. I think that the target probably, to me, would probably be trying to gel Matthew Nice with Matt, Matthews and Martyr. But let me ask you this. If you're the main guy on a team, like the head honcho, and your best two chemistry line mates together are Marner and Hyman, okay? And then Hyman leaves because you don't agree to pay him that much. So then you get Michael Bunting. And then two years later, you don't agree to pay him that much. And then he leaves. And then he's got to gel again with another player. Or you've got to gel again with another player alongside Marner. Would you not be like, all right, could we not get rid of some bums that we have and try and keep one of these guys that will make you know, my line do well? I think I'd be a little disappointed that the other guys left, but I'd also know that me and Marner are the two main guys on the line. So if, if they have to put someone else on that line to, to just fill out the line and potentially get 40, 50 points, whatever, then I think I'd be okay with that. Even, like, obviously it would suck to lose a, a guy you're friends with, whatever. But, like, Matthews also knows that, like, Bunting doesn't make the line. Him and Marner do, so... As long as him and Marner are producing, then Bunting's going to produce. So if someone else steps in and does the same thing, then I don't think that would be a problem. Well, true. That's that's va- that's really valid. But I would think that I mean, me and you are me and you have different mindsets when it comes to this stuff. But I would be like, so why are we keeping Justin Hall? Why are we signing Pierre Engvall for two almost two and a half million dollars when you could have used that money to sign Zach Hyman? I mean, Justin Hall could be replaced with an AHL, ECHL defenseman. Pierre Vol could, could be replaced with a pylon, like on a hoverboard. That's basically all he is, is just speed. So I I would be like, uh, this doesn't make any, this doesn't make me want to stay. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Kyle? You've been on the conversation for a bit. Yeah, no, I've uh, <laughs> this guy's sleeping over here. <laughs> no, um, I, I've been listening to you. You've seemed pretty he- heated, so I've been uh, not heated, but like pretty involved in this. So uh, I've been kind of sitting back and letting you uh, letting you have your point. Um, yeah, I mean, to to Bunting's extent, I think that you just got to stick with it. I don't think I'd put him on the third line. I don't get the point. Um, he'll he'll need a new contract next year. I don't see why he doesn't get it. Um, so far from what we've seen from him, for him to sign that really low contract um, with us originally and how he's playing right now, he definitely deserves uh, serves some solid money. Um, not saying he needs five years or five million a, a year because obviously he's not gonna not going to get that but um yeah i don't know them putting money on guys like justin hall and angval and stuff i don't think it's it's really needed you could put in a guy like uh like philip crawl 
or uh, like Ben and Mete, they could play instead of Justin Hall. Um, and then Engvall, like we got Obey, Kubel, and Simmons out. Like you don't you don't really need Engvall. So uh, I think my point's kind of similar to yours, Spencer. Like we don't need these guys. But um, yeah, that's basically my input on it. I'm just saying, Kyle. Like, after listening to this, to the uh, Camtrick podcast the other day, when Barry Trotz said that a, a coaching an original six, sixteen would intrigue him, like every move that Sheldon Keefe is doing right now, kind of makes me wonder. Like, I mean, same as Vancouver, and Barry Trotz does own a house in Vancouver, so I mean, the correlation's right there. But. I don't know. I just think if I was Sheldon Keefe and the best available coach in the NHL right now, who's a free agent came out and said coaching an, an original 16 intrigues me, you would almost think that I would be like, okay, let's get this team cruising and not mix up the lines because how are teams, how is this team supposed to have chemistry? If you're missing, mixing up almost every time, like every time they're down a goal, you're, you're putting them in a blender. Like Keefe's got to think that he's on thin ice here. Especially when you got fucking Marty St. Louis, who's killing it in Montreal. Like, I know their team is not that good, but, like, he was a house league coach. And he's still out coaching Sheldon Keefe. Yeah, well, I mean, he was also a good player, though. I, okay. Which, sure. I mean, also always doesn't equate, but in his but case, like, how does that equate well? Like, I, I just don't understand. To me, I would have probably canned Sheldon Keefe last year, and I understand Kyle Dubas's friends with him, and I like Kyle Dubas, but that's his one downfall, as he seems to be too loyal. Like, this is a cutthroat business. This is a performance-driven business. This is, like, if you don't do well, you got to leave. And people's argument is, well, he's only had two full seasons as a head coach in Toronto. Okay, pandemic, how are you supposed to, how are you supposed to explain that? And he got hired halfway through a season. Don't you think it's time? Like, you know how many head coaches were out there? Bruce Cassie, Peter DeBoer. And this could be horribly wrong because Keith could get fired, but I feel like Keith knows that as long as Dubis is GM, then he's safe as head coach. But I don't feel I I don't think he cares or thinks it matters what he does with the lineups. Obviously he cares if the team wins or not. That's a different story, but that's why he's so persistent on shuffling things around to ensure that maybe they do try to win. But I, I, I feel like he thinks that he's untouchable as long as Sheldon Keith is, or Kyle Dubas is the GM. Which you could be wrong. He could get fired right. this season, whatever. But I, I, I just have a feeling that's why he he doesn't seem worried. Whenever they interview him, he doesn't have any kind of urgency in his voice or whatever. Most of the time, so I, I just. I just get the feeling that he thinks he, he is safe as long as Dubas is GM. And the sad thing about that is you're probably right. Like, in all honesty, unless Shanahan gets pressure from above or um, Shanahan is pissed off enough, I feel like it's going to be Kyle Dubas's show and he's going to keep Sheldon Keefe around. It's not even like Toronto. Like, Toronto's played some pretty poor games. But, it's like, right now I see Toronto as – I don't see them at the same – uh, competitive level or uh, end result as last year, in my opinion. Like I see them more like middle of the pack, 
right now if the season like just based on how the season's going so far i mean obviously last year went similar and then 15 games they won 13 of 15 and there you have it but it's like right now i just personally don't see anything that excites me too much and some of it has to probably do with Marner and Matthews not doing that well. And I don't know. I just, if this was, if this was my last contract year on a team, I would have probably pulled my blood, sweat and tears into trying to make something happen. Not even Kyle Dubas. I'm talking about Sheldon Keith. Like I, I would be watching film every day, watching film every day in the summer, countless hours, not sleeping just to try and make this work because right now it's now, not working. Now that you bring that up, it reminds me of the year Mike Babcock got fired. And yeah. Like they went into the season, they were projected to be favorites to come out of the East. They were top team in the East, whatever, whatever, wherever they finished in the standing. And then the team just didn't really do much. And then once once Babcock got fired and Sheldon Keith took over, they kind of turned things around. But it just now that you mention all that, it just reminds me of that season where they were odds on favorite or one of the favorites to come out of the East to finish in the top standings, whatever, and then they just kind of did nothing for the first half of the year or quarter and a bit of the year, and then the coaching change happened, and then they kind of turned things around. But, yeah, that just reminds me of that. Yeah, and I just read – I was just – back to your Babcock getting fired. Um, I was just reading an article about that, um, and Mike Babcock actually said, I knew when Lou left – I was getting fired by the Maple Leafs. So that was 18 months after Lamorello uh, left. Well, Mike Babcock probably knew because he did some pretty terrible things in the dressing room. Yeah, I don't believe that. <laughs> what? It just seems to that, like, I'm, I'm not that he said it, I'm sure he. I just I don't believe that that's what he thought. It just seems more convenient to him now to say that after already being fired for three years. Like if you knew you were going to get fired by the Maple Leafs, then they probably would have fired you sooner after more than eighteen months. No. Yeah, probably. It just seems like he's 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 trying to make not an excuse, but just trying to downplay what actually happened. Well, you know yeah. what I think is a I think is a little ironic is. Well, it's, it's kind of eerily similar, not the most similar, I guess. But if you think back the year that Mike Babcock got fired, they lost to Vegas, and that's what did him in. It was on a Western Road swing that that happened. Now, yeah. Vegas was could be the turning point, and I'm not saying that Sheldon Keefe is going to get fired tomorrow, but just based on how it's going and the vibe that we get, they lost to Vegas. They could lose tonight to San, San Jose, and that could be it on a Western Coast road uh, or Western uh, road trip. Same as what happened to Mike Babcock. Kind of off topic, but why is why is Shalgren starting tonight? Because Yuli uh, Samsonov's feeling under the weather. Okay, that that explains it then. Yeah, so Shalgren's between the pipes. So he plays two of the next three then? Because he's playing Anaheim in the back-to-back, right? Uh, when's the back-to-back tomorrow? Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Oh, they play Sunday? Yeah, they play San Jose tonight, then Saturday, L.A., Sunday, Anaheim. Yeah, so I'm going to assume, based on – because they play, they play Saturday, 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and that's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon there, isn't it? 
Uh, yeah, they're either four or five hours different. In LA? Uh, yeah. I thought they were only three. Maybe it is three. Oh, yeah. Cause okay, so then that's a four o'clock game for them. Yeah, that seems right. Then, so. I don't know. That, that seems tricky. I was going to say, like, it would make sense that Shogun could get it, but I mean, like, I don't know. I, this whole season seems to be kind of messed up, to be honest. And uh, well, But the good like, thing is, uh, Lilligren, uh, uh, what's his name? The defenseman? Lilligren. Not Lilligren. Is that it? Yeah. Lilligren, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, he and Jimmy Ben were, or Jordy Ben were with the Marlies last night on a rehab stint. So you can probably expect Philip Kral to go down, maybe Vector Mete to make room for those two, and they still have enough cap with Jake Muzzin being on LTIR. Yeah. Also, that goes back to the point that I made about Jake uh, Justin Hall. See you later, buddy. <laughs> a better right-handed D is coming back. <laughs> you you got you have to think that there's got to be something that's going to happen if Jake Muzzin's done. Something tells me just on how Mitch Marner is talking, it seems like Jake Muzzin's a lot more hurt than what people people say. Well, with everything that's going on with these forward changes and bunting moving and the fourth line in and out, what why isn't anything really happening to uh, the decor? Is it because we don't we have injuries and stuff right now? I guess. Yeah, the like, I mean, the only other guys you can use is Philip Crawl and Mac Holloway, but or Hollowell. Until Lilligren and Ben come, which I'd imagine they'd probably join the team back after this Western road trip, right? They go back to Toronto after? Um, yeah, next Wednesday. Yeah, so I'd imagine if they're with the Marlies, they'll probably join them next Wednesday, which will cause a little bit of a stir up on the back end. But you can bet that Justin Hall's going to be back in the lineup. Back in the like he he won't leave. Like he'll be. Oh, probably like, not. Well, I mean, I shouldn't have said back in, but he'll still stay in the lineup. Yeah. So against Philly, that's probably what it's going to be. Yeah, and I think Mete and Crawl, um, and with Clifford down on the IR, yeah, that's an active player spot that has gone. So yeah, I would say probably Mete and Crawl that gets sent back down. And then Justin Hall and, uh, or sorry, uh, Jordy Ben and Lilligren will come back, which will probably put Riley Brody, Sandine Hall, Giordano Lilligren. That's what it should be. So then everyone's playing on their proper hands besides Brody. Yeah. Which, if you had a better right hand defenseman for the second unit or pairing, I think our defense wouldn't be half bad. But I think Justin Hall is kind of the downfall of it. That's, uh, isn't that similar to tonight's lineup? Like it's Riley Brody's. Oh, it's Sandine Hall, then Giordano Mete. Yeah, well, just subbed in Lilligren for Mete. You know. Yeah, which I mean, Mete, I like. I like Mete a lot better than Hall. So I would. I would even be better. I'd feel comfortable with Mete on the second pairing, or Lilligren Sandine. Yeah. Then, Either way, though, like everyone's talking about Jacob Chitrin and how he's going to come to Toronto. Isn't he a right-handed or left-handed shot? He is. 
So it's like, okay, so unless he feel com- feels comfortable playing on his right side or Justin or Morgan Riley, where are you going to put him on the second line with Justin Hall? Like that line is basically Arizona's top defensive pair. Like that gets killed every night. Also, you know who I really regret that Toronto got rid of? Nick Ritchie. Labushkin. <laughs> Easy, buddy. Nick Ritchie. Yeah, Labushkin. Labushkin is what everyone says Jake Muzzin is. A rough and tumble defenseman who plays right handed. Well, just, Jake Muzzin's left, but. That's what Jake Muzzin was. <laughs> yeah, and but before he came to Toronto, he was never that in Toronto. Yeah, that's because every year he's been in Toronto, he's been injured. Well, that's true. But it's like, that's the. That's the thing that irritates me. It's like everyone's like, oh, I wish we had this right-hand defensive who's rough and tumble. You know who was the best pairing besides T.J. Brody with Morgan Riley? Lily Labushkin, which would have made Sandy and play with Brody and Lilligren play with – or Giordano play with Lilligren. See you later, Justin Hall. Paid Labushkin the $2.5 million that he wanted and give freaking Justin Hall the Buffalo. Instead, Ely Labushkin's absolutely wrecking it over there in Buffalo with a decent Buffalo team. And Toronto's struggling. Well, they're not super bad, but they're still struggling. And Justin Hall's their third best defenseman, according to the coach. According to the coach. <laughs> I like that one. So it's like, I, I just, I'm at a loss. Like, everyone says Toronto needs to make a move, and Toronto's gearing up for a move, blah, blah, blah. What, what, what are they giving up? We don't have much draft capital. What are we going to give up draft picks from 2027? You can still do player for player, though. Okay, but who we who are we? Okay, granted that could work, but let's then go around the league and name right hand defense that we could get on this team because obviously it's not going to oh. be a number one pairing because how about, TJ how about, is working. How about Ilya Labushkin? Oh man, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and, oh man, I knew you were going to say that. Don't even get me started there, buddy. Welcome back. Um, one for one for one deal. Give uh, Justin on the Buffalo. If they did that, like I mean, Kevin Adams is probably one of my def- favorite def- or favorite uh, GMs in the league. Yeah, so he's not. If he did that. He he would definitely. I he would go from best, like one of my favorites, to just absolute worst. I just don't know. Like, if you really think about the left hand or right hand def- defense, that like uh, Calgary has a decent amount of defense. Who are they taking from Toronto? We'll trade Weger uh, uh, for Justin Hall. <laughs> Toronto should have traded for, for Mackenzie Weger when they had the chance, huh? Yeah, we should have a long time ago. Like five years ago when he wanted to a change of scenery and Toronto was the landing spot for him. I think uh, Toronto's been in on every defenseman who's ever been available ever. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but nothing's ever happened. You know, it's, I, look, it's, at the, because... look at the Petrangelo debacle, and then Petrangelo came out afterwards and said he was never actually in contact with Toronto. Yeah, and, and Carl Koliakko was like, yeah, he's my best friend. I was talking to him, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, oh, yeah, he's talking to Toronto. He's went there to visit Toronto. And then Kyle Dewey was like, yeah, and that never happened. It's because he's from King City. That's why he went to <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it also just tried to give Carl Koliakko some credibility, to be honest. Yeah. They got none. Move on. Anyways. Um, it's funny how Toronto's in on every – I mean, over the last, like, eight, nine years, they're in on every great defenseman or every defenseman who's available, period. But then if you look back on our history, like, we've gotten rid of some great defensemen because the fans ripped on them. 
Yeah. You know who was one great defenseman that we never got rid of? Thomas Kemp. Name him. Justin oh, All. Oh. <laughs> it's funny. We're not every every defenseman known to man, but yet we still have Justin All on our team. Yeah, that's because we're not probably actually in on every defenseman known to man. That's just the media creating buzz. You can't be in on every defenseman known to man when you're giving Justin All, like, what, $2.5 million? Like, that's such a waste. The fans are going to come here and be like, I'm going to play on the third line because of this plug. I bet you Toronto had Alex Petrangelo, he'd be on the third line because Sheldon Keith would be bumping Justin Hall out there 19 minutes a game. Probably. <laughs> like, Alex Petrangelo's like, you're paying me $11 million. Sheldon Keith's like, sit down. Johnny Tavares, go on lefty. Justin Hall, go on righty. Like, come on. Justin Hall is so good to Sheldon Keith that he plays him on the second unit on the 3-on-3 overtime. Maybe that's why Sheldon Keefe is just never angry. He's just always dreaming about a whole lineup with Justin Hall. <laughs> Three forwards, two defense, and a goalie just all take their helmets off. It's just all Justin Hall. Like seriously, I just am confused. Their first unit is on the on the on over in the overtime is Riley Marner Matthews, and then their second unit is Tavares Nylander and Justin Hall. The only one who can play defense on that unit is John Tavares, and you he's have the greatest on all of them. <laughs> you got to have the greatest defenseman of all time out there in case they get an on man rush. So yeah, we can skate into the corner and leave them two on zero. Oh, and and that Vegas game when we were watching and we were talking about Justin Hall and I was never in position, and then randomly he was just leading the rush down the ice. We're like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Offensive defense just, all of a sudden. Yeah, he was just skating down. Me and you're like, what the hell? But I, I, I honestly go back to that. I don't see many, like, the Rangers are another team to me that have a lot of D, but are they really giving up, excuse me, one of their better defense for Justin Hall about, or whomever? What about Keandre Miller? Yeah, he's supposed to be getting, like, $7 million on his next contract. Yeah, I don't think they can afford that, though. Get rid of Justin Hall, Jake Muzzin. There's $7 million right there. <laughs> Does he play the right side too? He's a left-handed chiller. Justin Hall? Miller. No, not oh. Justin Hall. <laughs> Justin Hall is whatever side you want him to be, buddy. I heard he can also play a little bit of goalie. Yeah, that's why he kept by checking Premier Rising last Yeah. Yeah, I know. He's a huge left. I uh, I'm in a group chat for scouting, and this guy's talking about how he's uh, going to be the head coach tonight at practice. And he was asking some some strategies to use. This guy suggested the flying V. <laughs> <laughs> Other people are like, use the one two two and put your defense or put your forwards up high on the power play. Like uh, one two two isn't a power play unit. But that's not a strategy. <laughs> and then, yeah, the one. <laughs> yeah, just holds the one. <laughs> Justin Hall flying V. Yeah. Justin, <laughs> Justin Hall probably was the one who invented the drop pass on Toronto. He's probably like, no, no, I got an even better idea. Let me pull it up, go all the way to the blue line, and then send it all the way back to our team's red line. And then I'll stay at the blue line. I don't know. One thing that I never understood about Justin Hall is if he so wants to be in the play, why doesn't he ever go in front of the net? He's a big guy. Because he's scared I mean, to get hit with the puck. Why? He would just accidentally box the goalie out of the crease. He boxes <laughs> our goalies out. <laughs> Anyways, we should probably put this episode called In Justin Hall We Don't Trust. Yeah. That would be a good one. 
because uh yeah justin hall that's the tweet anyways uh let's hit a, a break here and then we'll come back with a little bit of uh weekly uh wow that's a tongue twister weekly recap not really actually um and then the betting segment presented by drumroll please the gong master All right, here's that. <laughs> Just silence. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, enjoy this. Write down this promo code because the betting guy is going to tell us all about how to lose money. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for a season of a lifetime. New customers can bet just $5.00 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. One team I'm going to place a bet on is the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup at plus 700. And if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger pounds with same game parlays. Combine multi-bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot to win even bigger pounds. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can pause and withdraw your money whenever you want so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN at five dollars on any team to win their game and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do that code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see notes for details well there you have it Toronto Maple Leafs, when I recorded that, uh, were plus 700 just before Kyle gets to the uh, the ad there or his uh, segment. I'm just going to quickly look to see what Toronto is right now on the betting line. Two features. They're a plus 1,000 to win the Stanley Cup. They went from 700 to plus 1,000. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to bet all of the money I have on my DraftKings Sportsbook account on that uh, on that uh Yeah, anyways, uh Kyle, I'm <laughs> your mic. <laughs> Sorry guys, forgot about that. All right, buddy, you're up. My time to shine. All right, sweet. So, tonight we got to get Thursday nighter in uh in the NFL, Ravens and Broncos. Or Ravens and Bucks. What am I saying, Broncos? Um, I got the Tampa Bay Bucks to win tonight. I I put this in uh, earlier uh, when me and Scott, right before me and Scott um, started our conversation. Um, Bucks minus two. I think that coming off of two lot two embarrassing losses uh, to Pittsburgh, and then last week they got blown out by the Carolina Panthers, a team who's rebuilding. Let's note that's my favorite team. So. Uh, yeah, we, we killed the Buccaneers last week. Um, I'm going to take the Bucks for two points this uh, this week to win. Um, I think them being at home, Tom Brady is going to turn it around. Um, I see a win uh, out of them. Already up 7-3, five minutes left in the first quarter. Um, but, yeah, I did make this bet before the game started. So for anyone who's going to try and say uh, – <laughs> 
you're you're making that bet now. No, it was before the uh, before the game started. My second bet this week, I have the Broncos as a plus two and a half point favorite to win um, over the Jaguars. This game is being held in uh, in London, I believe it was. Um, let me just check here. Yeah, it is in London at Wembley Stadium. Um, Russell Wilson's going to be back. Um, I think the Broncos are kind of in a situation where they have to win. Otherwise, players might get traded there. I've already heard some reports of that. Um, Bradley Chubb, one of their star um, defensive players, if they don't win this week, he might be gone. So they've got to win this week. Otherwise, stuff might happen. Um, I got the Broncos plus 2.5 to win. Um, Jaguars aren't anything special. I think the Broncos come out and win. Finally, I've got uh, – this one's a little bit of a uh, – risk but uh i've looked at some uh, special stats i got the cardinals plus three and a half points to win um murray has an eight and two kyler murray the qb of arizona just for all of you that might not know um, specific players in football just teams um he's he has an eight and two record as an away underdog with a spread that's between two and three i know the spread's three and a half but that's Still close enough. It was at three at one point, I believe. Um, plus, he's pretty good on the road um, from the other numbers that I'd seen. Cardinals aren't a bad team. Um, just like a lot of other teams this year, they're 500, I think, or three and four, right around 500. Um, read an article last week that was, was saying why there's so many teams uh, 500. I'm not going to get in into depth on that but even the good teams their teams are supposed to be good 500 like the ravens night four and three bucks three and four um yeah it basically went in depth on that so uh if you find that article i definitely recommend it if you're a big football fan um but yeah cardinals plus three three and a half points i think to win if not they're going to cover for sure um that's in minnesota so i think uh Big road underdog uh, bet there with the Arizona Cardinals. So hopefully, if you guys are listening, um, those three bets will win you some money. Obviously, you're not going to be able to put in the Tampa Bay bet, but uh, the other two, hopefully, you guys can put in. Kyle, actively as we speak, I'm putting in a bet for that Tampa Bay thing. Yeah, you might not get uh, the best odds because they're up right now. But, uh, yeah, honestly, Spencer, I should have told you this before the game. But I'm trying to go for Tom Brady over one and a half touchdowns. He already has one. So. Um, oh, it might not be a touch. Oh, it was a rushing touchdown. Oh, was it? Yeah, but still. Cause I got a notification on uh, on. He's in the red zone right now, so. Okay, that's why it's closed. I got a a message on Yahoo saying that he threw a touchdown. Oh, really? Yeah, but I might it might have uh, been taken away. Yeah, maybe it was called back. I don't know. I've got I've got it on my TV right now, but uh, not really paying attention to it. So well, you just ignoring the fact that the Vikings are five and one, or? Uh, yeah. I mean, I like I like the underdog there, Cardinals. It's just five one is just the number. <laughs> True, but 
Kyler Murray and his coach got into it last week. You think that'll play into anything? Yeah, I think I think they're gonna turn turn it around. The uh, the Vikings have had a pretty easy schedule too. Besides uh, besides um, the Eagles, so. Uh, just quickly, I just wanted to touch on one thing, but I think I forgot what I was going to say, so just move on, actually. Uh, I forget. It was, something, yeah, it was something about betting, but we'll, we can... Uh... Oh, that's what I want to say before you started. I want to try and make some theme music, Kyle, for your betting segment. That'd be pretty cool. So then you know it's your time to shine when you hear that, uh, when you hear the beat drop. Maybe I can go. Maybe I can. Will be mean you can do a duet of "I've the Tiger." Yeah, we can do that. Oh, you should do a rendition of rendition of "Straight on Compton," but call it "Straight on Money." Straight on what? On money. <laughs> Coming straight on money. Okay, nice. I like it. No, no, I'll work on that. There's a play on because you said you're going to lose money for Kyle's betting when the segment started. Yeah, that's true. Valid point, buddy. I'm hitting um, this, okay. <laughs> not no professional. Well, I hope so because I I'm I picked the Bucks in that other bet. It's plus three hundred right now on oh, DraftKings. How are they but, plus three hundred? Sorry, so, my bad. I made one mistake, buddy. <laughs> Negative. Oh, okay. They're up ten. They're up ten three now. So Kyle's just freaking out because he just told everyone to bet. On them, and he's like, "What are they plus three? No, I, I just, I just didn't understand the plus because I would, I would have liked if it was plus. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I picked them as well as a couple other things. So hopefully they all hit, and I can make a couple thirty-six dollars. Anyways, ladies and gents, let's get into a little game. Actually, whatever. I'm gonna just uh, pretend, to say, ladies and gents. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm struggling over here, guys. Still a little riled up because because Justin Hall, <laughs> he just gets to me, man. All right, we're gonna do a little game recap. Okay, I'm gonna do a couple. Uh, I'm gonna work on some theme music for all these little segments that we got going on. Okay. As long as one side of the tiger by us, uh, I'll be happy. I hope that we can use that, but I feel like we're going to get copyright infringements. Not that anyone well, even better. the Tiger. What? Kyle's betting segment should be Bills, Bills, Bills. Oh, oh, yeah. I forget how that song goes, but... I forget how that song goes, but when I do think of it, I'll break out in song, okay? Okay. All right. Who wants to start with Dallas? There's three games, so let's each take one here. I'll start with Dallas. <laughs> I'll, so, I'll talk. I'll talk on the Winnipeg game. Kyle, you get the Vegas game. Okay, I didn't really watch the Vegas game, but uh, yeah, I'll. Uh, right. okay. Which one of these games you did you watch? The other two. Okay, Scott, you okay, want to? You Vegas can do game? Dallas. I'll do Vegas. Yeah. All right. Kyle, you're up. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean that Dallas game. What was it? About a week ago now, Thursday, October twentieth, I believe it was. Um, Robertson. Beautiful game, two goals. Um, Kerfoot also had one. Um, that uh, I don't know about oh, you guys. What? No. Oh, I thought <laughs> I thought you were laughing in the background. Sorry, sorry, Kyle. Um, 
I don't know about you guys, but that overtime goal um, put shivers down my spine. I don't know. I was just so happy that they uh, that they won, um, especially after that. What was it? The Tuesday or the, yeah, the Tuesday night? They no Tuesday Monday. Sorry, I can't speak right now. Uh, Monday night, I was at the game where they lost to Arizona. Um, just terrible. So for them to come back and beat Dallas three two in overtime. With that nice overtime goal set up by Matthews um, to Robertson, um, it was a uh, it was a perfect way to end off that week. Going into the uh, Saturday night game against Winnipeg, um, Sammy had a good game in net. Um, honestly, I thought the Leafs would have walked over them a little bit more, but uh, if it wasn't for Scott Wedgwood in net, it could have easily been like five two. My opinion, um, yeah. I mean, they got what? Well, what was it with the second goal it, interference, goalie interference, or something? Um, I think that was the was it was it what the Tyler Sagan one when he pushed Mitch Marner into the goalie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't, know, I didn't know if that was gonna be good or not, but it ended up being good. So. Yeah, we were all shocked by that, weren't we? Over text. Yeah, I, th- I think we were talking in the uh, in the group chat that night, just like how we were talking on the Monday night about the uh, Arizona game. Oh yeah, and but, since then though, Toronto's had two good calls. Yeah, yeah, they've yeah. definitely gone our way. Um, that was definitely Sagan's fault on goal interference. He clearly pushed yeah. Harner into the goalie. He even extended his arms forward. I don't know how they. They they counted it as a good goal. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, in the end, we got the win. Um, we're all happy. It ended up turning the Leafs into a positive note um, because of the win, obviously, and then turning it over to uh, Spencer the Saturday night. We got a win too. All right. Two things. One. Remember earlier today, wow. Remember earlier today in the group chat, I said, who should I take uh, Marchand out for? Or who should I take off for Marchand? You didn't yeah. take him out, did you? No, I, I forgot, and he just scored. He's got two points, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, oh, also, I want to touch on this really quickly, Kyle. I want to tell you, I want to tell you this. Firstly, can you pay my bills? <laughs> can I pay your bills? Can you pay my telephone <laughs> bill? <laughs> Can you pay my automobile? Maybe then we could chill. I don't think you do. So me and you are through. Oh. That's a little Dusty's talent for you, buddy. Yeah, oh, yeah that's a little... Wow. All right. Let me just tell you this. So the last two weeks in this fancy I'm in, fancy uh, hockey, this guy's been trying to acquire Austin Matthews. And over the course of these two weeks, he's been changing up his trades. And I've been compl- I've been arguing with him in the group, with everyone else, like, you're an idiot for these. So, firstly, his first offer was Evander Kane, Rupe Hintz, Mason Marchman, and Philip Forsberg. Okay? Then he switched it with Nurse. His final offer for Austin Matthews, Kerfoot, and Evan Rodriguez is Rupe Hintz, Evander Kane, and Mason Marchman. And he thinks this is going to go through. Like, if you ever listen to this podcast, you are idiotic, and you're dumb. 
Why are you getting rid of Austin Matthews? You suck. You dropped him first just to trade him. Get a life. Anyways. Oh, man. I know what you're thinking. Get a life. I play fantasy hockey too. No, but I was guess thinking what? idiotic and dumb the same thing. <laughs> okay, well, I can use them I can use them in two different ways, bro. I can say you're dumb and then comma and you're idiotic. I understand what you mean now that I said a second time. Hey Scott, can you, you pay my bills? Yes. All right. Okay, I'll hold you to it. It's on air. Anyways, so game number two, we got Winnipeg versus Toronto. The rivalry that no one knew they needed. Uh Tavares Nets two. His second or third of the year, Bunting scores uh, second one in Camp. Uh, Toronto is now fifteen and zero, or sixteen and zero when David Camp scores, including playoff games, which is um, unexpected. But we love it. There was a play when Tavares banks it off the wall. Nick Robertson goes again, leans forward a little bit, and here comes Josh Morrissey with the hit on Nick Robertson. And guess who stepped up? Guess who stepped up? Anyone? Anyone? I'll tell you. Morgan Riley. He's just bare knuckle wrestling him. Knuckles to the face. And then Tavares gets involved. And then a couple minutes later, Rasmus Sandin pumbles Cole Perfetti into the boards. And here comes fake tough guy, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I figured out has some kind of jealousy factor every time he plays Toronto because Austin Matthews was drafted first and has more goals than Pierre-Luc Dubois has points. But anyways, so he comes in, tries to be a tough guy. He's not. And the story is, Leafs win 4-1. Get the big dub. If you're listening from Winnipeg, don't. F you. <laughs> don't Scott, <play>. you're up. <laughs> don't listen. Don't listen. <laughs> no, listen, please. Nah, yeah, we need the listeners. Uh, <laughs> Still, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that brings us to our third game of the recap, the most recent against Vegas the other day. Uh, probably the worst game the Leafs have played all year. Uh, even even worse than the Arizona game, I think. Uh, at least in the Arizona game, they had stretches, five, ten minutes of, of offensive pressure where they looked like they were dominating the game. Uh, I can't remember a single moment from this game that even showed the Leafs had any interest in playing it. Uh, the only goal they scored was from Nylander, who had his fourth. Um, it was the first time all year, which, I mean, we're only seven games in, but still that Ilya Samsonov has allowed two go- or more than two goals, which is a huge bonus because going into the season, everybody was ripping the least goaltenders for being horrible, and we're going to lose by five or more goals every night. Uh, and then it was in the third period, early third period, that John Tavares took a um, – Rasmus Sandin shot off the knee. Mike Johnson said it was the inner knee, but from the replay, to me, it looked like it was the front of the knee. Uh, it looked pretty severe, but fortunately, he did come back later in the game, and he is playing tonight, so uh, the injury scare was for nothing because uh, he didn't get injured, so it must have just been a stinger or something. But yeah, we ended up losing 3-1 in the worst game of the year that the Leafs had no interest or any kind of... Yeah motivation to even play. They were just horrible all night. They kind of left Samson off on to dry because he, I mean, he played well of all the Leafs. It's just everybody else decided not to show up, so it made him get the loss. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Ilya Samson off, every time that guy is in the crease, I get uh, I get a sense of 
calmness with the team, although they sometimes do play like dog water. They still are like he's. I, I just can't believe, like I said to you, Scott, the other night, like was he signed for one million? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Jesus. That's why this episode's called "Insanity We Trust." Scott was gonna name it "Moving Out West." Nope, can't be. I thought it was just Sammy to name. Trust. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. why we don't trust. Um, there which it is. is funny because. <laughs> Gong. Like I mentioned, going into the season, I mean, a lot of people were ripping on the Leafs goaltending, but I think it might have been the last episode we talked about this, how we kind of predicted that Matt Murray would, I don't know if it was last week, it was one of the episodes we did where we said that Matt Murray would eventually go on LTIR at some point in the season and Sam Sanoff would kind of take over as the goalie, which uh, I don't think I expected to happen this early, but that seems to be exactly what happened. Obviously, Matt Murray did go on LTIR, but Sam Sonoff seems to be looking like he's going to be the goalie for Toronto going forward if he keeps flying like this. So, hopefully, yeah. This guy's gonna also just want to point out that the the next two games we are slotted for wins if we continue the pattern the Leafs have been going in this season, where they lose one, win two, then lose one, win two, and now they lost to Vegas. So, San Jose and LA are pretty much guaranteed wins, and then we'll lose to Anaheim. Yeah, continue the pattern here. Yep. You heard it first. Kyle said, lost Anaheim. You hear it here first. Kyle did say that the Leafs are going to lose to Anaheim. He sucks. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I hope you're wrong on all those bets, too, buddy. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, What did I ever do to you? (laughs) You're the just in all this podcast for those bets. You know, I just realized looking at this screen. What did you realize? <laughs> what night is it? Thursday? It's a Thursday. Yeah, this podcast doesn't come out till Friday. So you're telling people to bet on a game? They can't <laughs> bet on! That's what I said. It was, it was my prediction, though. I don't... <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Yeah, he did, he did say that. He did say that. I did say that. I'll have to go back and that. listen to the audio, and I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> I'm just I'm just messing with you. No, I know you are. He's not. Nah, I am. Kyle knows me pretty well. I used to make him cry in school. <laughs> yeah, except, yeah, when you bodied me in basketball. Oh, remember that time we were playing soccer? I bodied that one kid. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I'm not gonna name any you guys, names. You guys play basketball in college? Scott, we went over this last time we talked about this. We took a fitness a sports administration course. There's a fitness class. Oh, yeah. yeah. We basically yeah. had two gym classes. And me and Kyle were the stars because, like, look at us. We're like, if you saw me and Kyle together, you'd think um, a skeleton and the rock. I'm the rock. Hey, easy there. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> you, you would think flat Stanley and the rock post steroids when his body gets a little flabby. <laughs> I'm Black Stanley. <laughs> Kyle kind of looks like Quagmire, and I kind of look like Joe Swanson, minus the chair. <laughs> I was just about to say, are you in a chair? If there anyone, if, it, if anyone on this podcast is Chris Griffin, it's Kyle. Chris Griffin, <laughs> yeah, that, that's why. Remember when your mom was vacuuming a couple weeks back, and you're like. Mike, what's that sound? You're like, she chose right 
right now to vacuum of all times. <laughs> Just freaking out like I... Triple H. Turn into Will Ferrell from Step Brothers. Or not Step Brothers, Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Um, yeah actually, Kyle I... is probably both uh, Brennan and uh, what's his name? Dale or whatever from Step Brothers. He yells at his dad. His dad just comes downstairs, says, You're next. He's like, Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, when he's getting spanked. You ever seen that movie, Kyle? That does not happen. It does. You know, that's when he says, Keep your liver spotted hands off my brother. She's a saint. I think he's talking about in real life. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you ever said to your mom, can you make me a sandwich? And then your dad says, open up your right hand. And then you just got a sandwich in your right hand. Nope. Is that ever happening? What's that from? Step Brothers. He was like, hi, Nancy. Can you make me a sandwich? <laughs> and then the dad's like, Open up your right hand. He's testing you. And then his right hand is just holding a sandwich. He's like, Dad, can you give me $20 for pizza? Like, $20 is too much. What happens if I want wings? Anyways, maybe you guys should, uh, I don't know, educate yourself on some comedy. <laughs> Kyle, I like when you're on the podcast because after like we cover all the content, I just get to make fun of you for a good 10 minutes yeah, and then I tell you that I'm going to edit it out, but I never do. Yeah, and then right. after me and Scott go back and listen to it and just rip on you some more. Plan yeah, some jokes for the next person. person. It's gotta be that huh? one person. Exactly. That's why I said, like, no offense, but you're kinda adjusting all this podcast. Like we rip on Justin all just as much as we rip on you. That's okay, I get lots of playing time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you do actually during this podcast. You got the betting segment. Yeah. Pretty much. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, buddy, you get your own segment. I know. I feel special. We don't got our own segments. Me and Scott have to split time. Me and Scott are like, uh, I'm Wayne Simmons. He's Kubel. Well, I think what we should start doing is, uh, <laughs> I'm Simmons. He's Kubel. <laughs> That's a little bit of a delayed reaction on my part. Uh, <laughs> I, what I'm saying is, Maybe maybe every other week we you guys rotate and uh, and you guys add in a bet. I don't even think Scott knows how to spell bet, but yeah, I can try. Just why not? Yeah, sure, buddy. I I think that um, you might be the betting guy, though. Um. Okay. Yeah, but on the other note, uh, Marshan just scored again. <laughs> All right, let's get off this podcast. So I can go. Sp- Beat Scott up for not telling me to put him in the lineup. <laughs> I I literally told you to take on second. Yeah, but you forgot to remind me. That's not my job. And also, I wouldn't want Marshan in your lineup if we're in the same league. I wouldn't win. You're not going to win anyways. That is smart. So yeah, what I, I start owing to? So it's some of the greatest teams of all time. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm I not going to be Vancouver. Trust me. Oh yeah, to all the Vancouver fans out there, before I wrap this up. Bruce, there it is. Bruce, there it is. It might now, they're another, now they're calling for this guy's head, huh? So what's it like to be up multi-time? Or what? what's it like to be up in a game by mul- multiple goals and then just get killed? Yeah, we wouldn't know that's like as Leafs fans. We always win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, we've never blown a multi-goal lead in our life. Yeah, not six times in a row. Like, I, wow. I take the first. You are, 
I'll huh? take the first six games of the season over game seven in the playoffs. Oh, I'm going to call on a guy personally. Uh, I don't know if this guy listens to podcasts probably not, but if you ever do, Jared Whitney. I remember last year you said two things. Vancouver is better than Toronto, and Bill Horvat was better than Austin Matthews. Uh, you couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm actually going to message him right after we get off this podcast and say how, uh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 Could you imagine that? How, what? <laughs> send, send to a person, they're like, what? Anyways, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, the joke's over. But moral of the story is, I'm gonna message him saying, "Hey, how are your connections doing?" <laughs> message him saying, "Al." <laughs> <laughs> you know what that moment was? I said it, and then my eyes went wide. I was like, "Oh crap! Oh crap! Uh, how am I gonna fix this?" <laughs> oh man! Wow. Uh, I think that's a, a wrap on the pod, no? Yeah. I think that's it. Over. All right, boys. Another pre-game pod because the Leafs are playing at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time tonight against the San Jose Sharks. I think they're going up against James Reimer. James no, the Optimist, Optimist Rhyme. I don't, I don't think so. I saw on Twitter. Oh, I was you talking? Sorry, Scott. What did you say? Yeah. I said that I think I saw on Twitter the other day that uh, Kakinen's playing or Kakinen or however they say his name. Yeah, it is. playing Rhymer. Confirmed. Yeah. Sounds like the Canucks and Bruins have made a trade. You just ignore the point. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Studnicka believes to be involved. Jack? Is this Jason? Who? No, actually, I think it's Studnicka. I don't even know how to say his last name. <laughs> his first name's Jack, bro. Who's Jason? Jason? This is there Jason Studnick. It's Studnicka. <laughs> yeah, but now I'm asking, Jason. wasn't there a Jason Spreadway. Studnick or Studnick? It's not Studnick. It's Stu- Studnicka. There's an yeah. A at the yeah. end. We're not talking about him anymore. <laughs> like, we moved past him. You're talking Who's about Jason, Jason Strudwick. Strudwick. Jason Strudwick. Yeah, that's it. Kyle, why'd you say Studnik? Like, you're not a stud. If there was a stud finder on this I didn't, podcast, I didn't right say Studnik. It's, it's Strudwick. I'd be like, all right, let's find the stud. Beep, 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 yeah, beep, beep. Again. Found it. Anyways, man. You guys. Anyway, what was the trade? No one knows yet. It's just Jason Studnicka. I think Who's it's Jason? Jack. <laughs> Jack. Jack. No, I was saying Jack first. Who's saying Jason Studnick? Scott. No, yeah, because I thought that was his name. Wait, what'd you say? Jack Studnicka reminded me of Jason Studnick, but it was Jack. It's Jack Studnicka. Oh, my gosh. This guy's just putting, like, a European slang on it. Studnicka? Like, get out of here. Was that European? I don't know. Sound like it was French, no? No. You sound like Mark. Why don't you try a French accent? Nah. That's what I thought. All right, so uh, basically, there's a trade coming down the uh, the line here, which uh, not Toronto, um, with Vancouver and Boston. Jim Rutherford did say that he wasn't going to make any panic trades, but it appears that they're 
looks like probably nothing major. Anyways, so uh, be watching that and uh, watch game tonight, Saturday, and we'll be back with you next Thursday to recap, what, four games? Three games. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks. See ya.